I want you to open up to verse of scripture that I believe that the Lord has laid upon my heart. It is a call, it is a challenge, it is a desperate need for God's people to pray. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Let's all say it together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. How many of you have received in some form or fashion but this, this particular magnet and you put it place you can see it? Please, I want to encourage you to pray 2 Corinthians 7.14 for 7 minutes and 14 seconds every day. If we as the people of God can begin to pray that prayer, I believe that our prayers will be effectual, our prayers will make a difference. When you consider that the average Christian just prays three minutes a day, I don't know about you, but I can't survive on three minutes a day. Amen? Especially in the times, the, the, the stressful times, the perilous times we're living in, but if we could at least, every one of us, have focused seconds just for this particular focus. Because in this passage of scripture, there are the principles of, of very critical uh, truths that will make an impact when we pray them heartfelt and fervent intercession. Now, if we look at Second Chronicles 7.14, we find out that that there is a purpose in this prayer. There's a reason for us to pray this prayer. What is the goal? What is the end game, if you will? God wants to forgive us. Amen? Isn't that a good word? God wants to forgive his people. God wants to heal our land. Our land, whether it's the land of our, our own particular uh, uh, sphere of influence, our heart, our life, our family, uh, our church, God desires to minister healing. That's his heart. That's the heart of God. From the very beginning, God has always been pursuing mankind. God has always been pursuing you and I. Why? Because he wants to heal us. He wants to restore us. He wants to bless our lives. So that's the heart of God. And this morning, no matter how crazy the world is, how many of you, by raising your hand, will say, this is the most craziest time you've ever experienced in all of your life? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, there's good news. Crazier times are coming. <laughs> but you know what? As crazy as it is, and as overwhelming as it is, as your pastor, I am not exempt. Pastors, leadership, we are not exempt from trials and tribulations and the things you face. We are not exempt. We go through it. But you know what? We have learned the critical issue is that we all draw close to God. And we understand as we read the scriptures, as we even see this promise that it's God's desire to forgive sin, it's God's desire to, to heal our land. When we look at that scripture, you know what it does for us? It ministers hope to us. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world right now. 
There are a lot of people that are hopeless. But we as the people of God, we are hope-filled. We look at the Word of God. We see what God has said. You know, I want you to understand something. There's more going on in the world than Fox News will tell you. There's more going on in the world that CNN will tell you. There's more going on. It's not just what the news says. It's what the Word of God says. It's what's going on in the spiritual realm. And we have to understand that we are not going to live our lives according to the news feeds of social media. We're going to live our lives according to the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us even when it's the most hopeless, we are not hopeless. Even when it's the most difficult, we as the people of God know that if we would seek God, if we would pray, if we would humble ourselves, if we would turn from our wicked ways, God will bring forgiveness to us. Some of you this morning need to know that you're forgiven. Sin is so powerful. The Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. How is sin deceitful? Sin is so deceitful it promises you everything. But it leaves you with nothing. It promises you fulfillment. It promises you satisfaction. But in the end it bites. In the end it brings destruction and pain and suffering. And you need to know you're forgiven. And by God's grace, because of the cross of Calvary, Jesus hung and bled and died and, and, and shed his life's blood so that you and I could be forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Can you say amen? So as the people of God this morning, we, are, we have a hope according to the word of God. And like I said last week, we need to realize that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. You see, I want you to get this this morning. I want you to hear this this morning. The weight of the transformational works of God rests upon the shoulders of the church. Let me say that again. The weight of the transformational works of God rests upon the shoulders of of the church. What do I mean by that? Someone has said, without him, we cannot. But without us, he will not. What do I mean by that? I mean that prayer in our participation. The Bible says we're co-laborers with God. Think about that this morning. Who do you work for, God? What are your benefits? They're out of this world. Some of you, you're not even smiling, but I don't know that because you got your mask on. John Wesley said, the great revivalist, the 17th, 18th century, he said, God does nothing but in response to believing prayer. Even this scripture that we, we are quoting, that we're memorizing, that we're praying, tells us that if two-letter word that has big implications. If, if, then. If, then. God says, if, then. Second Chronicles 7.14, although it was spoken to Solomon by God almost 3,000 years ago at the dedication of the temple, still in principle can be prayed by you and I today. Are we God's people? Can you say Amen. Can we humble ourselves? Can we pray and seek his face? Can we turn from evil? 
And will God still forgive? Will he still heal? Will he still restore? Yes and amen. You see, this morning I'm encouraging you to do something, to put into practice the word of God. It's not enough just to listen. It's not enough just to hear. Faith without works is dead. We have to put into practice. So, so I've been encouraging you, and, and it's been a blessing to me to hear individuals and families praying 714 for 714. As your pastor, it's a blessing to know that you are still, uh, that you are taking this call seriously. And you see, what better way to pray than to pray God's word back to him? What better way to pray than in the language of the scriptures? When my children were young, if I told them we were going somewhere or we were going to do something and I didn't do it, you know what they would say? But dad, you said. And they wouldn't give up because they knew they put me in a dilemma. They put me in a predicament because if I said it, I need to do it, right? And I learned that either I would, I had to, I would have to say it and do it or I, I, I shouldn't say it. And my children, when they were seven and eight, they would, they would be, but dad, you said. They're 24 and 26, but they're still saying it. No, I'm just kidding. But see, what were they doing? They were telling me, they were holding me to my word. And if I, being a mere man, am responsible for my word and to follow through on what I've said, how much more shall God honor his word? How much more? God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should relent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Amen. Throughout the scriptures, we see it over and over and over again. In Nehemiah, Chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, quickly turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. We know the story. Nehemiah was a, was a government official in, the, in, the, in the, the Persian Empire. And he was a Jewish man and he heard about the condition of, of the people of God back in Jerusalem. How the walls were broken down. How the city was in disarray and, and things were so bad in his city. And the Bible says his heart was gripped and, and he, when he heard the news of the condition of the city and the people of God, he began to weep, he began to pray, and he began to fast. There's nothing new under the sun. There will always be problems, there will always be tension, there will always be dilemmas. It's what the people of God do in response to it. And here's Nehemiah. He begin, begins to pray, he begins to, to weep, he begins to fast. And he's burdened by what he sees. He's burdened by what he hears. And you know what he comes? He comes to the realization that, you know what? It's good to pray. It's good to fast. But it's not good enough. He begins to position himself to do something about it. And although he was in a position of prosperity, he was in a royal position. He was in a government, high government position. He had access in relationship to the king, who was one of the most powerful men on the planet, whose kingdom stretched far and wide, include many nations and powerful, a powerful nation. So here's this man, Nehemiah, but, but you know what? He, he wanted to do something about the problem. It's not enough to talk about the problem. What can we do about it? What can we do practically? And so Nehemiah says, you know what? 
I want to go to that city. I want to rebuild it. So, so he begins to pray and not going to preach the whole message of Nehemiah, but eventually he goes and he rebuilds the walls and he, and he restores the city and, he, and the work of God is blessed. But look what he does as he begins to pray, verse 8. He says, remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses. What is he doing? He's reminding God of what God had said in his word. He was saying, God, I believe what you've said, and I'm going to hold you to it because I know that you're true to your word. And what did, what did he say? He said, you, to your servant Moses, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And you know what? That's what happened. So God fulfilled his word in the course of the sense of judgment. But then he says, but if you return to me, and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So he was saying, God, you fulfilled your word in casting your people out of your sight because of their sin, idolatry, and rebellion. But God, you know what? You also said if we would turn to you. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people will turn from their wicked ways. Then I will heal. I will forgive. I will restore. So what was Nehemiah doing? He was following the same pattern throughout the scriptures of God's people, reminding God of what he said in his word. I believe the Holy Spirit will give you a scripture, will give you a word, give you a promise that you could stand upon in faith and you can declare and you can believe in prayer. And you know what? God will honor his word. Amen. I'm going to ask Pastor Lisa to come. She's done something with the uh, women's ministry here at the church just recently. And I, I want her to share because it's just very, very relevant uh, to what I'm sharing about praying the scriptures. So this is a tool. This is a resource we want to put in your hands practically to help you to do what we're talking about. Amen. 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 Good morning. You will have seen on your uh, seats, a sheet like this that we're just going to ask you to take home. You could fold it, put it in your bag, but please don't forget it. We hope when you guys all leave, all these sheets are missing. So take them. If you want to take an extra one in the empty seat next to you for someone, feel free to do that. And I just want to take very briefly a couple of minutes and share with you what this is all about. We, as Intentional Women at Victory last month, had a gathering of 16 women for an event called Praying God's Word Over Our Lives. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was just wonderful. The Lord was there, and he just helped us to learn how to take Scripture and write them into a prayer. And we have another one planned for August 18th. You can get more information on that on the church app and register for that. But it's something that we want to continue to do because directly following that first gathering, I heard from so many people, this was really nice. Can we do this again? So when you hear something like that, it's a good sign that people are hungry for that. And I believe people are hungry for the word, but sometimes we just need a little bit of assistance getting into the word and how to read it and how to make it applicable to our own lives. So I want to take a minute and read to you Ephesians 6. 10 to 18, and I'm going to read it super fast because I want to have a couple of comments on this. Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies or strongholds of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world 
against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully equipped and prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. And here's the key uh, part of the scripture that we're going to focus on from it. And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And we talked about this at our first ladies praying God's scripture over our lives to explain why we want to learn to do that. Here we see Paul listing the whole armor of God, which is very important. We need to put on every piece of that armor and clothe ourselves in, on a daily basis. However, there is only one piece that's an actual, that is actually an offensive weapon, offensive, and that is the sword of the spirit, again, which is the word of God. And there's nothing like, listen, I am all for apps and electronics and convenience, but I'll tell you, there's nothing like taking a Bible and actually turning the pages and opening it. So when you can, and, and, and I've said this to the ladies as well, Use an actual Bible when you're sitting. Try to get, you get familiar where the books of the Bible are. So it's a great tool to get out that paper Bible. And so we are looking at using this weapon, the primary weapon, the all-important weapon that we can use to fight back against the enemy. Remember how Jesus fought against the temptations in the wilderness. What did he use? The Word of God. Three times. And so that just speaks to me, and it should speak to us of if Jesus used the word of God against the enemy, then how much more should we be using the word of God in our prayers against the enemy as well? And so we looked at another scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes I put my hands on my head and say, I take these thoughts captive. And sometimes we just need to do that. So here Paul is saying weapons in a plural sense. So what would the other primary weapon be that he's referring to? If we look back at verse 18 in Ephesians 6, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So if we take the word of God and we pray it on all occasion, we are going to have powerful prayer lives. We are going to see things change in our lives that we haven't seen change in a long time that we've been waiting for because we're praying his word back to him. And if his word is powerful, which it is, and we're praying it back to him, how powerful will our prayers be? So these are our two weapons. So in a second, I'm going to read um, 
2 Corinthians 7, 14, and then I'm going to show you how I put it into my own words as a prayer. So that's what we want you to do. We want you to learn to develop your prayers, to develop the habit of writing out prayers using the scripture. Read the scripture a few times to get really familiar with the passage. Then write out the scripture in your own words as a prayer. Use pronouns like I or me so that your prayer is going directly to God. You're speaking directly to him as your friend and as your father. And um, in our ladies' gatherings, we're using several scriptures, writing them out in our own words, and then taking them all and creating a prayer. But for today, we're just doing this one scripture. What did I say, Corinthians? Oh, so Second Chronicles. 714, which is what Pastor Richard has been speaking about and will continue to be for this month. So this is why we want you to do this, write out your prayer. So it says in, the, in this translation, God, however, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and search for me and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear their prayer from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their country. Okay, so we know our country needs healing now. And so this is how prayerfully reading it and rereading it, this is how I put that scripture into a prayer. Dear Father, in your word you have asked your people to humble ourselves. So I've come before you humbly as your daughter to ask for help. You've also asked me to pray to you and you alone. I'm searching for you, God. I'm asking for forgiveness from my sinful ways. I'm asking you to cleanse my heart, my motives, my mind, and my speech. You have said that you'll forgive me. And once you do that, then I know you'll hear me pray as I cry out to you. Then you'll hear my petitions. Then you'll begin to turn things around in our nations. We as a nation have turned away from you. But I know that if I cry out to you, if victory cries out to you, because we are your people called by your name, then you will hear and move. God, we need you to make yourself known in our nation. We need you to turn the hearts of the sinful and hopeless and rebellious to you. You alone can heal our land. You alone can forgive sin. You alone can reach down from heaven and manifest your presence in our land. We ask that you do this as we continue to stay humble, repentant, and dependent upon your word. In the name of Jesus, your son, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. And so that's what we want you to do. Get your prayers written. They will be powerful to the Lord. And um, I'm just excited what God is also going to do in the women. So if you're a woman, come out August 18th. God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. Isn't that practical? that help you? If you invest some time in that, I believe it'll make a powerful difference. Just a, a couple of thoughts in concluding. Uh, I read a statistic by an international ministry, and this is what they said. 21.5% of unbelievers, non-churchgoers, are now seeking God because of the pandemic for the very first time. So one out of five people that don't go to church, that won't call themselves believers in the, in the biblical sense as we would, are now beginning to seek God. 
beginning to pray. That's a powerful thing. You see, people are realizing they're up against something that's too big, so completely outside of their ability to control, and many are just questioning the existence and purpose of life. You know, that's, that speaks to a couple of things. Number one, uh, praying, obviously, but also evangelizing. People are open to hearing something, some good news, some hope that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you in sharing the gospel. You know, you could, you could part of it is, is sharing, um, sharing our live stream service on Facebook, sharing anything uh, that we're doing as a church, but, but it's more than that. It's sharing your faith, writing your testimony, um, even, even listing what, uh, sharing what God has done for you. People are looking for hope, amen? And so this morning, as we, we just bring this to a close, you know, we, we need a breakthrough. We need some breakthroughs. And, and typically, breakthroughs only come when you seek them. And they almost always begin with prayer. I believe God is using COVID. He's using racial tensions. He's using riots to get people's attention. He's looking to get out to our attention on a deeper level. I want to read something in the New Testament, because a lot of times people say, well, you know, that's Old Testament, and God dealt differently, and blah, blah, blah. That's a Greek word. Hebrews uh, chapter, chapter 12. Listen to this word, how, how, how powerful it is. And, you know, when God speaks... He's speaking truth, and he's speaking with authority, and he will fulfill his word. How many of you know that this morning? Hebrews chapter 12, New Testament, the, the writer is saying, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Do you know that Hebrews was written to Jewish believers in the Messiah? They had come to faith in Christ, and so he's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers. And he says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now God has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. That's a serious shaking. Now this, verse 27, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, how many of you know there's a kingdom coming? How many of you know there's the kingdom of heaven of which we are living for, striving for, and looking forward to? Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, aren't you glad that there is an eternal kingdom? The kingdoms of this world will come to nothing. They will all dissolve. They will all fade away. But we're receiving a kingdom that shall not be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. What does that mean? Don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. God is a consuming fire. So is God trying to get our attention? 
you know, we, we, we've talked about did God send this virus? Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but, but we could at least say God allowed it. You remember the story of Job? All that Job suffered, he suffered the loss of his cattle, of his homes, of, of his children, even his own physical, he was physically afflicted and he, he was suffering and he lost it all. Some of us think we've gone through Job-like experience and I don't want to make light of it, but in reality, it's hard to match, match up with what he went through. But we do have Job-like experiences. And so the question is, did God send that? No. But you know, we, re, we, we understand in the scriptures, God allowed it. You see, Satan came, presented himself before God in some way we don't fully understand, but he presented himself and, and, he, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan incited God against Job and, and God said, I'm going to allow you to, to, to go after everything he has, but don't touch him physically. And, Job, and Satan afflicted Job and, and, then, and then Job even was afflicted physically. But you know what? God was still in control. And everything that Job went through had to be filtered through the loving hands of God. And I believe what we're going through in this world is still something that God is in control of, that's filtered through his hand. So when we pray as a body of believers here at Victory Church, as many of us that are willing to commit ourselves, can, can we make a difference? I believe we can. I believe we can stand in the gap. I believe we can intercede. I believe we can cry out. I believe we can be like Abraham when God was about to judge Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. And Abraham stood in the gap and he said, Lord, if there are 50 righteous in that city, would you spare it? God said he would spare it, but there were not even 50 righteous. And the story goes on. He went to 45, 40, 30, 20, and even 10 people, and there were not 10 righteous I believe that we as the people of God can pray and intercede for this world, for this nation. And I believe there are more than 10 righteous in this nation. I believe there are countless thousands and even millions of people who have put their faith in Christ and truly love the Lord. And I believe that that's what's holding back a full-fledged wrath of God upon this nation. But you see, this morning, there's no guarantee unless you and I pray, unless you and I commit ourselves. And I'm, I'm just challenging you. I'm just saying, what could happen if we would commit to praying Second Chronicles 7.14, the principles contained in those scriptures? Amen. Let's stand together this morning. I want to ask you to, I just want to call, there to be a call to action that you and I, in the face of all that we're dealing with and all we're going through, would it be as a people, as a church, say, I will pray. I will seek God. I will humble myself. Can we do that as the people of God this morning? Can we commit to that? Can we be faithful to pray every day? Read the word of God. Brothers and sisters, we're getting to a point, you could have played church years ago. All the games are over. You ain't going to make it. We ain't going to make it. It's a critical hour we're living in. What did I just read in Hebrews? Seeing that you do not refuse him who speaks. 
Don't take this for granted. Don't take the word of God for granted. Don't take the faith for granted. If you're hanging out with people that are pulling you down, if you can't pull them up, you better, you better cut ties with them. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm talking about connected with them. Love everyone, be friends with everybody, but don't walk with everybody unless they're walking with God. Scriptures say, can two walk together unless they agree? Come on, we need to get serious. We need to commit ourselves by faith in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Would you lift your hands today and say in faith, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be faithful to pray. Second Chronicles 714 for 714 every day. Father, thank you for your people today. Thank you for the word of God. May it find fertile soil. May it find good ground that fruit might be born, that, that there might be a fruitfulness in our life, Lord, as the word of God takes, seed in our, takes root in our heart, Lord. Father God, I pray, O oh Lord, that all the weeds, all the, the rocks, all the, the admixture of things in our hearts would be weeded out, would be taken out. God, that would be our part, that we would turn from our wicked ways. We would turn from anything evil, God, that we might turn wholeheartedly to you. Father, touch your people today, God, as we commit ourselves, God. Lord, I know that if we take one step, you will take two, because your word says if we would draw near to you, you would draw near to us. And so, God, today, bless the word to our hearts and to our lives in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen God bless you you are at liberty to go go in the presence of the Lord in Jesus name amen